Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Great to see you all this morning. I am excited to introduce a man to you. I will let him introduce his wife when he gets here. Uh, Pastor Chad McAtee has become a friend and acquaintance over the past several months. Uh, recently, well, actually now two years, isn't it? I guess that's not as recently as I thought. He was elected to our district office. He is now the executive secretary and the ministerial development director for the Indiana District of the Assemblies of God. Formerly, he pastored for 14 years at, um, it's in here. There it is, Sweetwater, Sweetwater Assembly of God in North Manchester. I had it underlined and everything, but uh, uh, didn't, didn't see it. Uh, Central Bible College graduate, uh, understand you met your wife Julie there at Central Bible College. They've been married for a number of years. They have three sons, 21, 19, and 17 years old. Uh, I communicated with Pastor Chad virtually nine months ago about coming and ministering, and we were wondering with COVID and everything else whether it was going to work out, but it did. You're here, sure, you're socially distanced, and that's just fine because the Word of God is not socially distanced. It's going to come, it's going to come in power, and you're going to receive it. Would you welcome our guest this morning, Pastor Chad McAtee. Amen. It's great to be here this morning. Welcome, everybody. How are you? Well, that is great. I'm, I'm glad to be here, and uh, this is my first time uh, to be here. This is a beautiful facility, beautiful uh, building, and uh, you're a lot of beautiful people. Amen. I was wondering if you're listening, you know, yeah, you know. And so uh, it, it is great to be here. I do have my lovely wife here with me, uh, Julie. We've been married 25 years. We just celebrated 25 years a marriage and it has been wonderful for me I can tell you that and uh, you know if she ever gets a microphone she can tell you how it's been for her but it's been it's been great and uh, uh, a couple years ago we did uh, move to Indianapolis our lives totally changed uh, when we got there and it's been good it's been different I love pastoring uh, I love uh, I love being at the same church every week now I'm at a different church every week looking at different faces you don't know uh, who to look at while you're, while you're preaching, all right? When you're in the same church every week, when you're preaching bad, you can look at somebody and they just still smile and you're thinking, it's not as bad as I think it is right now. I'm bored, but he doesn't look bored, all right? And I've already picked out a couple of you. A couple of you are getting ready to go to sleep right now, all right? But it is great to be here today and uh, thrilled. Uh, it, how, how many of you look forward to... Uh, when they can take the tape off the seats and you can get back to your regular spot. Oh, yeah? S some of you have had to sit in a different spot and it's really messing you up. And you're like, you know, I'm coming in on Monday. I'm going to move that tape around so I can get to my spot. And, uh, but it, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a crazy church world. Everybody, you know, I've been coming to this church 35 years. I've been sitting in this spot for 35 years. You know, that's just how it is. That's church, all right? And uh, but anyway, it is great to be here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. Pastor Rick and Sherry, I honor you this morning, and uh, I, I'm so thankful that you asked me to come and uh, be here. 
Uh, just FYI for everybody, I'm coming back next week. Yeah, you say that now. Just wait a little while, all right? You'll be like, oh, sweet, I'm going on vacation next week. Church hopping, you know, I'm going somewhere else, all right? But uh, I honor you. I'm so glad that you get a chance to get away. One of the things that uh, I found is that most of our pastors are exhausted right now. When uh, most of them needed a vacation when the pandemic hit, and they've been working harder than they've ever worked. Everything changed. The, the mental part of it, just what's Sunday going to look like? Is anybody going to listen? Or do I videotape it? Do I need to do stuff during the week? How often do I need to be on social media? All that kind of stuff. Phone calls, visiting. It's just, and our pastors are exhausted. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, church. Some of you might think, you know, we're just getting back to church and pastors going on vacation. Let me tell you this. Your church is going to be better because he's going to get a chance to go rest. And so thank you uh, for sending him off, and uh, uh, you guys have a great time, all right? Have a great time. If you need a nap so you can drive safe right now, start, okay? Uh, the rest of you need to pay attention, all right? But uh, it is great to be here this morning. Genesis chapter 35, I want to read some scripture to you. I want to challenge you today and uh, just, just see what God has for you in your personal life. And uh, let's just go from there. Genesis chapter 35, it says, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God. I'm going to stop. All right? I'm going to stop a couple times as I, as I read through this. Jacob, a long time ago before this, 20-some years prior to, to this happening, went on the run. Okay? He went on the run for his life. Why? His brother was going to kill him. And probably for good reason. All right? If you can have a good reason. And so he, he's on the run, and one night he meets with God, and God uh, speaks into his life. And there's, a, there's somewhat of a transformation that takes place there. But now we're 20-some years later, and we really have no uh, instances written down anywhere that, that Jacob has had any more God moments, all right? He had a God moment 20-some uh, years earlier, and now 20-some years later, he's saying, I need another God moment, and if I need a God moment... Let's go to the place I met with God before, the place called Bethel, the house of God, the meeting place of God. And so today I want to ask you this question. Do you have a Bethel in your life? Do you have a place that you go and, and meet with God? Let's, let's uh, keep rolling here. Uh, who appeared to him, God appeared to him when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, purify yourselves, and change your clothes. Jacob left alone. And now he's coming back with a great number of people, all right? He's moving thousands of animals, thousands of sheep, uh, donkeys, all these kind of things, uh, camels, they're, they're going with him. And so it's just not him and his wife and his kids, all right? It's him and probably several hundred people. There's a people group that are moving. They are a pagan people. They do not know God. They have not served God. They only uh, know this, that they had been worshiping uh, stones and, and gold and silver. And he's saying to them, listen, we're heading into the God zone. If we're going into the God zone, let's get some things cleaned up, all right? So understand, that, that's what that part right there means. Verse 3, then he said to them, let us go to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. They set out, and the terror of God fell upon all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob said to all the people with him, uh, with him uh, who came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan, 
there he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Verse 9, And Jacob returned to Padan Aram, and God appeared to him and, and blessed him. How many of you know God's still speaking? And now he's back at the altar, and he's getting ready to have an altar experience, okay? Verse 10, God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, and I give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, would you move in this place today in our hearts, in our, in our lives. God, let us not just say, I went to church today and it was, it was all right. But Lord, let today be a day that you transform and change us. And God, the words that I share in the next few minutes, Lord, may they penetrate our hearts and help us to be more like you. God, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've had the privilege of being in ministry now for 25 years. Uh, uh, full-time ministry as uh, children's and youth pastor and then a youth pastor and then a, a lead pastor and now working in in the district office and there there was a, a thing that started happening in my life uh, as a youth pastor I, I had an appointment every day with the king of glory I'm gonna come down here for just a minute all right I had an appointment every morning I would wake up and I would I would wake up early I'd leave the house I would I would drive to the church I would spend time with Jesus. I would go home. We were having uh, little babies at the time. I'd spend a little time with them. I'd take a shower. I would go to work, all right? And that was my daily routine as a youth pastor. When I became a lead pastor, I lived next door to the church. And so I'd wake up in the morning. I'd walk out the door. I'd walk to the church. I would spend time with Jesus, and I'd pray and seek his face. I'd go home. Now the boys are going to school. We'd have breakfast together. You know, I'd harass them for a little while before they went to school, and then I'd take a shower, get ready, and I'd go to work. And that was my daily routine. Every day, I went through that same routine of getting up, going to the, to the sanctuary of the church that I was working at. That was my Bethel. That was my altar place. It was the place that I went to meet with God every day. I'd get up, and that's where I, and I, we, I would walk around the sanctuary. I walked, well, hundreds, thousands of miles really thousands of miles just seeking the Lord and allowing him to speak to me and praying in my prayer language and, and just all that. And this was my daily routine. And then two years ago in July, we moved to Indianapolis. And uh, we, we, when I woke up the first morning, I said, God, I got a problem. I don't have a Bethel anymore. I don't, I don't have a place to go meet with you. I had no keys to a church. There's churches everywhere. I didn't have keys to them. I and I said, I don't, I don't even know what to do. And I, I decided, you know, it was July, it was warm. I just went outside. I just started walking around my neighborhood, and I was praying. And, uh, you know, that, that was a little weird. You're praying in, in the Holy Ghost, and people are jogging by, you know, looking at you. And we hadn't lived in the neighborhood in a long time, so that was kind of weird anyway, just seeing people, you know. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was totally different. And then October came, and it got cold. And I said, I got another problem, Lord. I don't know where to pray. I need, I need a, an altar place. And I realized at that time that I had a basement at my house. I really hadn't been down there 
much since we moved there. And that basement became my Bethel. That was my meeting place with God. I was there this morning before we got in the car to drive here. It, it has become my, my meeting place. I know that I can go there every morning and I can meet with the Lord. And the Lord, I think, is there waiting on me every day. But uh, I, I have this question for us today. And as we stepped into the pandemic time and we weren't able to go to church and, and all this, do you have an altar place at your house? Do you have a place that you can meet with God? Do you have a place like Jacob says, I know that I can go there and I, when I get there, the king of glory is going to be there with me. Now one of the things that we need to recognize and realize is that the altar is a safe place that we can go to. See, the altar is that place that we can go and we can worship, we can confess, we can receive from the king, we can listen, we can hear. It, it's, I can say everything that I want to say to him personally. I can get direction for my life. I can be emptied of myself and I can be filled with him at the altar. You know, a lot of times we think that that only happens at the church altar. And it ought to happen at the church altar, but it ought to be happening in our daily lives. And I, I ask you this question this morning, do you have an altar place? See, your altar place might not look like mine. It might not be a basement of a house. It might be a lazy boy uh, 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 recliner that you go get a cup of coffee and you sit down, you lean back, and you just start talking to Jesus, uh, sipping your coffee in the morning. It might look like your back porch, and you just go sit out in your back porch as the sun is coming up or the sun is going down and you talk to uh, Jesus and he talks back to you. It might look like your garage. You go out there and just tinker around and as you're tinkering around, you're praying uh, to the Lord and ministering to him and he's ministering back to you. It might look like the sidewalk in your neighborhood or it might look like your Chevrolet that you're driving down the road because you drive 20 minutes to work one way and 20 minutes back and that Chevrolet is your altar place. I don't know what it looks like for you. I just wondered this morning, do we have one? I'm just asking today, do you have a place that you go and meet with the Lord? Oftentimes we want the church house to be that place, but when there's a pandemic, you can't really go to the church house. So did we not pray for three or four months? I'm sure that wasn't the case, because we're like, oh, dear Jesus, I need toilet paper. But even in the church house, sometimes we don't want to come to the altar because the altar scares us. I'm not, I'm not going down there. You know how far that is? I'm not going down Because what if I go down there because I have a need and I'm there like three weeks in a row and my need's not met. Everybody's going to think, well, I have marital problems. You know, everybody's thinking. And so I'm not going. It scares me. I, I, I don't want people to talk about me. I, I'm not going because what would people think? I'm not going to the altar because what if Jesus actually told me to do something and I didn't want to do it? Not willing to take that chance. I'm going to stay right here where I'm at. I don't really want to go to the altar because what if I need to be healed and I don't get healed? I just don't think I can handle that rejection. And so I think I'll just stay right here. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but what if I'm not filled? I just think I'll... I'll stay right here uh, where I'm at. What if I go to the altar and I need a word from heaven, but I don't hear him? I think it's safe just to stay where I'm sitting. I'm not going to the altar because I don't even know how long to stay down there. When I was a kid growing up, uh, I went to church every week. My parents, uh, you know, 
my mom was a druggie uh, when I was growing up, and uh, she drug us to church every service, all right? Every service. From Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, we were at church, and my parents, we all went to church. My whole family did. It wasn't like, well, they didn't pray about it, all right? They just grabbed you by the hair and drug you, all right? We're going, all right? And so my dad was an usher on this side. So we sat every Sunday in the same spot, about halfway back, and we sat right there, like right where the pole is. That was where my family would have sat, all right? And my dad was the usher on this side of the church. And then every Sunday night at the end of the service, my dad came to the altar right here, every Sunday. I don't remember a Sunday ever go by that my dad didn't go to the altar. And so as a kid, you know what I started? I started going to the altar with my dad. And I would go to the altar and I'd kneel down next to him and uh, uh, I would begin to pray and I'd pray for the missionaries. I'd pray for the salvation of the world. I prayed for everything that there was to pray for. In about seven and a half seconds, I was done. I mean, how long do you go to the altar? I had covered everything, and I'm just kneeling next to my dad, and I had one goal, be there longer than him. You know, and he's praying in tongues, and, and, and I, I grew up in Hillbillyville, all right, and so he barely knew English, and he's praying another language, and I'm like, how does that even happen? He, he doesn't know most, I mean, pertinere is one of his favorite words, all right, just so you know. And, 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 and so I would just kneel down next to him, and I, my knees are tired, I'm tired, you know. And, and finally my dad would get up, and then as soon as he got up, I jumped up, and I'm going back to my seat like I just won. <laughs> How long do you go to the altar? How about until the Lord's finished with you? How about until he's done speaking? How about until he has accomplished what it is that he needed to accomplish, whether it's at the church house or your house? I know this, if you're driving to work, he needs to be done at a certain time so you can go in, but you can like to be continued. But the Lord just wants to speak to us at the altar. In the book of books of Ezekiel and, and Revelation, the writer gives us a visual of the river of God. And in both of those books, it talks about that where the throne of heaven is, that the river of God flows out of the throne. And then it goes on to talk about that everywhere that that river flows, it brings life. It brings salvation. It brings health. It brings the kingdom of God. In my mind, I think about that as that's the place that I want to go and pray. That the river of God is flowing through my altar, whether it's here at the church house or the river of God is flowing through the altar at my own house. Wherever it is that I'm, 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 I'm spending time with the King of Glory, that, it, that it's there that life is flowing. It's there that salvation is flowing. It's there that health and it's there that the kingdom of God is. And so if that's where the kingdom of God is flowing, that's where I want to be. It's worth getting up out of bed in the morning if the river of Jesus is going to flow right over your life. In the scriptures that we read just a moment ago, in verse 2, as I mentioned earlier, that Jacob's, he's with pagan people. They know about altars, but not the altar of the king of glory. And so he's telling them, hey, we're getting ready to go meet with the king. I need you to clean yourself up. He said, change your clothes. Get all of your foreign gods and all your earrings. Their earrings were like the fetishes that they used to, to worship their gods. And, and he buried them all. He buried them underneath the tree, the tree at Shechem, okay? 
if you know where that is, you can have your own TV show, all right, and discovering that, never mind. And he said, bury him because we're getting ready to step into the God zone. Now, this is New Testament day. We just have to show up. How many know that when we show up before Jesus, he can clean us up? We can show up before Jesus and, and uh, we can bow our knees before him and in a moment the blood of Jesus can wash away all the junk and the trash and the garbage of our lives. But then, at this point, he was getting them ready. Life flows from the altar. Junk is cleaned up and lives are transformed and changed. So they head to this altar, this place, this Bethel place in verses 9 through 12, God begins to speak. God begins to bring life. And he says to Jacob, Jacob, you are a liar. He really speaks gently to him. He says, you're being a liar and a deceiver your whole life. And your name, Jacob, means liar and deceiver. And so today as you come into my presence, I'm going to give you a brand new name. This is who you used to be, but now when you leave this place, you're going to be a, a brand new person. You're no longer going to, going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. Hey, friend, you might have came into this place today addicted and afflicted. Can I tell you that you can leave different? And God can give you a brand new name. So you might have walked in the same way. You might, in your entire life, maybe you've been a swindler, a liar, and a deceiver. God wants to give you a brand new name. How about uh, son or daughter of the living God? Maybe you came in here this morning and you've been an abuser. God can transform your old self and your old name to one that walks in the peace of the living God. Maybe you came in here this morning and your old name has been alcoholic, but God wants to set you free today and he wants you call, to call you his own. Maybe you came in today and you've been known as being fearful. God wants to give you a brand new name today that's no longer fearful and everybody doesn't know you as fearful but today you can walk out of here being known as love because love drives away fear he can give you a brand new name today he did that for Jacob Jacob made it to the altar God began to speak and he said Jacob I'm giving you a brand new name maybe you need that this morning but God didn't stop there sometimes we're at the altar and God speaks to us and as soon as he finishes uh, saying something to us we're like boom I'm out of here <laughs> Up and out we go. But God didn't stop there, did he? God continued to speak, and he said this. He said, it was at this altar that God made himself known. He says to him, Jacob, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. That maybe doesn't mean as much to us today because we've heard it a lot. But just imagine on that day, and all of a sudden everything that's happened in the past a few hundred years with your family begins to run through your mind. See, it all started back when Abraham, God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, you trust me? Do you love me? Yes, sir, I do. How about we go on a great adventure together? He loaded up his camel and he head, headed off. And then God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, everywhere that you can see, I'm going to give to you. Abraham, can you count the stars? No, sir, I cannot. That's how many of your descendants are going to be. Abraham, can you count the sand? No, sir, I cannot. That's what your descendants are going to look like. And he began to speak that over Abraham's life. Abraham had no kids, and he's like, I'm all in, God. And then it came to Isaac. And the promise still hadn't been fulfilled yet because there was only, you know, a couple kids. He says to Isaac, he says, Isaac, 
the, the promise that I gave to your daddy, I'm now going to give to you. Can you count the stars? He said, no, sir, I cannot. He said, uh, that's what your descendants are going to look like. Can you count the sand? No, sir, that's what your descendants are look like. Isaac, can you see this vast area? Yes, I can. I'm going to give it all to you. And now as God is speaking to Jacob, he's saying, Jacob, I am the God of the promise. The promise that I gave to your daddy and the promise I gave to your granddaddy is the promise that I'm giving to you. I am God Almighty. Can I tell you this morning, can I remind you today, that's who he is in your life as well. Can I get an amen? But he didn't just make himself known. See, it was at this altar that God gave Jacob direction. Usually if I have a need and I need some answers, I go to the altar. That's the place that you get direction. See, he gave it to him. And, and this morning, maybe uh, he said to Jacob, be fruitful and increase, all right? But maybe this morning you need direction for your business. I want to say uh, uh, you need to get to the altar or get, and get to your altar at home and at the church house and find out what that direction is that God has for your business. Maybe you're here this morning, you need direction for your family. There's one great place to find out direction for your family that's at the altar. Can I get another amen? So it was at this altar that God gave Jacob a promise. He said to him right there in the scriptures, a nation and community of nations will come from you. Wow. What kind of promise is that? A nation and a community of nations will come from you. Can I tell you this morning that God is not, not just God of the moment, but he's also the God of the future? He's not just the God of the moment, but he's God of the future. He already knows what your future looks like, and he can speak into your future, and he can allow you to know uh, what your future is going to look like. He's that kind of God, and he's that big. Amen? See, at this altar, the words that we read just a moment ago, God gave prophetic words. And he said to Jacob, hey, kings are coming from your body. Kings are coming from you. I mean, what would you think of if you were pregnant this morning and you're carrying your baby and as you're praying and seeking the Lord, uh, the Lord said to you, you know what, your, your uh, baby's going to be a world changer. The baby that you're carrying inside of your womb, I'm going to use to touch the nations. The baby that, uh, I mean, how many of you know that, one, you get excited, two, you get nervous, thinking, great, I'm never going to see my grandbabies, all right, whenever they finally have some, and they're going to be all over. But how many of you know that God can speak into your future because he has a prophetic word for you and, and, and for your, your future, but you've got to get to the altar to find out what it is. You see, it was at the altar that God declared increase over Jacob and everything that was to come. I will give this land to you and to your descendants. He's at this altar, this place called Bethel, meaning house of God, that future generations were getting ready to get some information. See, I believe this today, the generations after us, if the Lord should tarry, the generations after us are dependent upon us having altar experiences that changes the direction of our family's future. I'm going to say that one more time. The generations after us are dependent upon us. They're, they're dependent, the generations that are to come are dependent upon the church. The generations that are to come are dependent upon us, the people of God, all right, are to have alter experiences that changes the direction of our family's future. There's people that are still to come that are leaning upon us 
being a Pentecostal people, a people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will stand up for what is right, who will, who will be the people of God. They're, they're dependent upon us for their future. My father, I mentioned him earlier. I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. The McAtee clan down there, there were no Christians in our family. None. L zero. Most of the McAtees were not good people. Most of them, let's just say they weren't good people, all right? And my dad, as a sixth grade boy, was already tired of living the way that everybody was living. And so as a sixth grader, he got up out of bed on a Sunday morning and he walked out the door and there was a little Pentecostal church up the road from my grandparents' house and my dad started going to church there. So on Sunday mornings when people might be drunk and hung over, my dad was getting up by himself as a sixth grade boy, walking up the road and going to church. It was at that church that my dad made his first trip to the altar. And as a sixth grade boy, he gave his life to Jesus. It was at that church as a teenage boy that my dad was baptized in the Holy Ghost. It was at that church when he was uh, 19 years old that he married my mom. It was at that altar, at that church, uh, up the road from where my grandparents lived that my sister was dedicated to the Lord, that I was dedicated to the Lord, that my brother was dedicated to the Lord. There was an altar experience that my dad had that changed our family for generations to come. See, this morning, my mom and dad are at my brother's church. He's now their pastor. And there's a really good chance that this morning, Pastor Rick, at that church, my dad is sitting over here on this side because he's the, he's the usher for this side. And there's a real good chance that at the end of the service, my dad's going to come up to the altar on this side. Why? Because my dad's still having altar experiences that changes our, our family for generations to come. Why, how does that happen? My brother has two kids. Both of his kids are serving the Lord. My sister this morning is in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. Her husband is a chaplain in the army. He's in Egypt. Egypt, Egypt, like somewhere else, Egypt, all right? And they have one dog, and that dog is serving the Lord this morning, just so you know. It's generation to generation. This morning, I have the privilege of being here with you. And this morning, I have three boys, 21, uh, 19, and 17. My 21-year-old, he graduates from Bible college next week. He's going to preach the gospel uh, wherever it is that God will send him. My, my, my 19-year-old is serving the Lord this morning. He's at, uh, at Grace Church this morning. Uh, that, uh, Grace Assembly of God this morning. My, my youngest son this morning, uh, he's, seven, or he's 17 years old. He's called of God with a call of God on, uh, upon his life. He's up in North Manchester at our old church uh, there, there today. And, and, and what my dad started at the altar is generation to generation to generation. And I'm believing this morning that what God started in my dad, but my dad uh, living at the altar... All right, it's going to change us till Jesus comes back. I'm believing that. Why? Because the generations after us are dependent upon us having alter experiences that change the direction of our family's future. I believe this this morning. God wants that for your family as well. I'm not talking about just a one-time trip to the altar on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about a daily experience with the King of Glory. 
I'm talking about an experience with God that when you come up out of the basement and you're ready to eat Cheerios with your kids, that they're like, whoo, dad's been with, with Jesus this morning. That they know that it's all right to pray and read their Bible and it's going from generation to generation because they see mom and dad doing it and they see mom and dad living it. I believe that God wants to transform our, change our families because he loves our families more than we do. Now I know this, you might have been the perfect parents. Perfect parents. You did it all right. You read, the, you read a book, you did everything the book said, you read the Bible, you did everything the Bible said, you're perfect parents, and your kids have made some bad decisions. Jacob's kids made a lot of bad decisions. You can read all about them. But there was a promise that God gave him. And I believe this morning you can get along with God and, God and God can lift up your kids. God can give you a promise for your kids and your grandkids. I want to say to you this morning, if you already got grandkids and, you're, and if your kids aren't serving the Lord and you have grandkids, I want to invite you to invite them over to your house. Make pancakes for them on Saturday morning and share Jesus with them at your table. Because how are they going to know? Get on your face with them and pray with them. Let, let your altar experience at your house be like the altar experience I had with my dad so that a new generation can be raised up that has your DNA in it but also has the DNA of the King of Glory. Why? God loves your family. He cares for your family. He desires your family to walk with Him. So this morning, knowing that we need to have a Bethel, a place of meeting with God, I want to ask us today, in this crazy world that we've been in for the last several weeks, how has your Bethel been? What does it look like at your house? How long has it been since you've been to the altar at the church? Do you have a place of meeting with God? Does God have a place of meeting with you? Do you have a marked location that you can go back to and say, you know, it was right there that I got saved. It was there I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was there that God called me in the ministry or, or whatever. Because God wants to mark, put a mark in your life. He wants to speak over you and speak into your future because the generations that are still to be raised up with your DNA and he loves them before they're ever born. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with me this morning. I know we're trying to do social distancing and, and all that kind of stuff, but if you're here this morning and you want to say, you know, I, I just want to have a brand new day with Jesus. I want to Today, I want to say, you know what? Starting today, I'm going to start having a Bethel place. Now, I'm going to go home and find me a Bethel. Maybe I haven't had one. or Maybe I only get there every once in a while. But I, I'm going to decide today that I'm going to have a brand new place of meeting with Jesus. And you say, you know, I'd like to de rededicate my life to prayer and meeting with God. If that's you this morning... I want to ask you, would you respond to this altar? Just come up and talk to Jesus for a minute. How long do I stay? Until he's done. Okay. 
But would you just respond? So I'm talking to Christians in the room right now. Would you just say, you know, I, I want to say, you know, I'm a brand new, I'm going to be, I'm a brand new person. I'm a brand new day. Maybe I need a brand new name today. I, maybe I just need to meet with Jesus for a moment. Maybe I need to solidify something in my life. If that's you, would you just respond today? Just come on up here. You want to say, you know, I'm going to start a brand new prayer life today. Would you just respond? Come on this morning. Just respond. We're just going to take a few, we're going to have communion in just a couple minutes. Would you just respond to the Lord and say, yeah, today's a brand new day for me. When I get up from this altar, I'm going to be different. Things are going to be changed in my life. Just go ahead. Just you and Jesus pray this morning. I'm not going to lay hands on you. You just talk to Jesus. Maybe get a few things figured out, what things need to look like for you. If you're at your chair this morning, I want to ask you this question. Are you walking with Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Maybe you're here this morning and Jesus is not your Savior. He's not your Lord. Maybe you're here today and you know this, that you're not ready for heaven. But you're here right now and you say, you know what, I, I think I would like to give my life to Jesus, the one that knows my future, the one that can wipe away my sin. I don't have to be, uh, I don't have to clean myself up to, to come to him. I just need to come to him. That's right, you just need to come to him and he can wipe away all sin. Is there anybody here this morning that you're at your seat and you just wave your hand at me and say, yeah, preacher, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus right now. Is there anybody in the house? Anybody this morning? Yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you're at your seat, would you just talk to the Lord for a few moments? Just, we're just going to take some time. He's going to play the keyboard. We're just going to pray. We're, we'll take communion in a few minutes. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Thank you.